Hello everybody and welcome to the Prayer in the Making Lent book club. Uh, I think we're on part 12 now, that sounds about right doesn't it? Um, uh, we're in chapter 5 and that's the chapter on action, we're in part 2 and that is called Doing and Making, just so you can get your bearings. Um, the astute amongst you who are following this in real time, so to speak, will notice that I'm a day late. Uh, I do apologise for that. Well, I don't apologise. It's because it was my birthday yesterday. And among the wonderful things that I managed to fit into my birthday, podcasting didn't quite make the list, unfortunately. I had intended it to, but, you know, there was just too much food to eat. <laughs> so here I am a day later. Um, with just a few thoughts, really, uh, on action prayer, um, particularly on this business of um, taking prayer out into our everyday lives. You know, um, I teach on uh, prayer and personality quite a lot. And uh, this particular bit, this bit about the idea that you might not be someone who can sit still for ages you might not be someone who finds prayer particularly easy when you're stationary and quiet and not doing a lot uh, but that's okay I mean we all need to develop the discipline of stillness as we learned in chapter four but you know what you don't have to be good at it that's all right and that it's okay to enjoy prayer and for prayer to come alive when you do it alongside what you're doing when it becomes a part of uh the things you're doing in your everyday life. When I teach that, a lot of people come up to me afterwards and say a light bulb moment happened and I really suddenly realised that actually God doesn't think I'm just a fidget who can't concentrate. Actually, God loves me for who I am and he's very happy uh, to engage with me in prayer, even when that is while I'm doing all sorts of things. And so for me, this is a very important subject. I don't know if it's that the church over the years, lots of uh, areas of church life have preferred kind of quiet, silent prayer or sitting still prayer. It doesn't have to be silent, but the kind of prayer where you sit around and you all say a prayer and then someone says a prayer and then someone else says a prayer and someone else says a prayer. You know, those sorts of prayer meetings. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, you might be one of those people who sits in uh, that kind of prayer and you just desperately want to get up and run around the room because you want to make something happen. And you know what? That doesn't make you less holy. That doesn't make you somehow um, a worse prayer. That's I think that's a lot of where that sort of idea that I'm rubbish at prayer comes from. It's, it's from those who feel like they don't cope so well with just sitting still to pray. And if that's you, this is your chapter. And the Apostle Peter, he is your man. He did not love the whole sort of sitting still waiting type of prayer in fact he kept falling asleep uh, when he was doing that as you will know if you read the chunk of of the book that we're on um i i do love the story of brother lawrence a number of you will be familiar with brother lawrence brother lawrence was a a monk in paris several centuries ago and he really struggled with the, the offices, you know, the daily services and the, the sort of acts of prayer that the monks carried out in their church and in their private study. But he discovered that prayer came alive for him 
when he was doing tasks around the monastery and he discovered that actually God didn't mind at all whether he, um, uh, you know, that he didn't particularly enjoy the quiet stuff. God was absolutely delighted to commune with him in the washing up, the peeling of the potatoes, the fixing sandals. He had the responsibility of looking after the monk's sandals, which is probably a smelly job. Um, and I'm going to guess that prayer in the context of that smelly job was a very lively thing indeed. Uh, so a couple of suggestions for you coming out of today or coming out of this chunk of the book and coming out of my thinking today. Um, is it a, something to do with uh, discovering that God loves it when you pray through the things you love and through the things you just have to do in life? Let me let me take both of those. So maybe um, like Brother Lawrence, there are just things that you need to do. You need to do the washing up. You need to... Um, get the kids to school you need to do your admin you need to uh, do stuff at work that there are things that are on your to-do list and they've got to happen and that was true for brother Lawrence but he discovered that those things were some of his richest moments of prayer not because he would stop every so often and go dear lord da, 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 but because he just had a sense that God was with him in those things and that as he did things with his hands, as he as he created and fixed and made and cleaned and all that sort of thing, that God, that that was a prayer somehow. And that, and that prayer came alive for him when he talked to God as a companion during his work. So what can you do in the coming days with the stuff that you just have to do? Can you can you take that and make it a moment of prayer is there a really dull task coming up that you've got to do at work or is there something you're really dreading but it's got to be done what can you do to bring prayer into that and I don't just mean prayer for the task you're doing I mean prayer generally um a really really simple example like if you're the sort of if you're in the sort of job where you have to stuff lots of envelopes, if you're the kind of job where you do a mail out, have you ever thought about praying for each person as you put their letter in the envelope? Or uh, if you're uh, somebody who, you know, if your work involves a kind of a repetitive act action that you just have to keep doing and it's boring. What about every time you do that action, you pray for a different person in your life? Do you see what I mean? It's a connecting up of the doing and the praying. Um, the other thing that I would say, and it, this is in some of the exercises at the end of the chapter, is what about your hobbies? What about the things you love? Um, we referenced, well, probably back around the introduction sometime, about God isn't the boss in the office watching you on the CCTV camera to make sure you're being a good boys and girls. That That's not how God operates. He is not this distant uh, looking on uh slightly glaring at you over his top of his glasses kind of you know you're not doing that very well are you you know what jesus was a carpenter and the the way he would have learned his trade was he would have been apprenticed probably to his father and uh, and so he learned he did what he did alongside somebody who knew how to do it better than he did and that working together relationship, that being together every minute of every day, pretty much probably, or certainly every minute of every working day, um, 
learning from the master, sharing the work, doing stuff together. That's the kind of thing Jesus knew. And I think that's the kind of thing he meant us to know about God's presence in our lives, that he's there all the time. You know, um, <laughs> my hobbies are a lot around things like needlework, knitting, sewing, that kind of thing. And uh, and I love it. It's a very prayerful activity for me. It can be, isn't always. Depends which box, which box set I happen to be watching. But it can be a very prayerful activity for me to be sewing or knitting. And what I love to think of is Jesus is with me in that. And he uh, he is, if he's the best at everything, if God is ultimately the the creator, then he is the one who uh, who does everything we do better than we do and uh, who loves everything that we do, who enjoys those tasks, who himself is invested in and excited by what we're doing. Uh, and therefore, when I come to knit something or if I'm designing a garment that I want to sew, you know, I love I love the idea that he is way ahead of me. He knows more about knitting and sewing than I do. So he is having this conversation with me about what could we do and how could we do this? You know, you get the gist, don't you? He's not watching over you in a in a in a cross or supercilious way. He is with you in what you do. So when you practice your hobby this week, when you do the stuff you love, uh, would you remember that you are accompanied, that there is one who is with you and who loves to join you in the thing that you're doing and even if you can't see him he is there with you and you can chat with him while you're doing it and uh, and that is just as valid a prayer as any of the other prayer that we will talk about in this book so if you're the one that gets bored easily if you're the one that feels unholy because you just can't seem to pray for three hours at a time take heart today you're on the go, busy, slightly chaotic, but very active, passionate prayer life is a joy to God. And he loves you for it and he loves it. And uh, you don't need to feel in any way like you're doing worse than anyone else. I shall be back uh, not tomorrow morning because I want to give you a chance to listen to this one. So Friday morning uh, with the first episode of the next chapter, which is chapter six. Uh, have a lovely few hours, day or so, until I am back with the next episode. <laughs>